Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first on Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 224, brought to you by Hook'em.com, our good friends at Bud Light. I'm Cedric Golden of the Austin American Statesman, joined as usual by the Duck Kirk Bowles. And Duck, we are on a Hall of Fame roll. Last week we had DeLos Dodds, <laughs> the legendary AD. Greg Swindell, the greatest college pitcher to come from Texas, and NBA royalty joining us today, an 11-time All-Star, two world championships, Olympic gold medal, you name it, he's done it. And (laughs) of late, he's an acclaimed author. He wrote Letters to a Young Athlete, which is available on Amazon.com and wherever you buy your books. I'm getting the... um, the audio, the audible book, because I like the Barry White narration from <laughs> our good friend, Chris Vosh. What's up, Chris? What's happening, guys? That's uh, I, <laughs> pretty funny. I hope you, I hope you enjoy the audio book, man. We were, we put some, we put some hours into it. So, so Chris, first of all, thanks for being with us. Congratulations on your, your hall of fame selection. That's just awesome. And so deserving. And now you're author. I mean, can you take us through the process? When did you first start thinking, you know, I may have a book in me? It, it took it took a while. Um, I wrote um, and not writing, you know, for, um, for for this book in particular, but just um, after I was done playing, um, you know, everything was so sudden, so, so immediate. And I had to kind of, you know, figure out what else I was going to do. So I just one right. of the habits that I wanted to to kind of build on was just. I identified writing and said, okay, all right, I'm going to just do this every day. It's one of the things I love to do. Um, it doesn't make any sense right now, but I'm just going <laughs> to do it. And yeah, I just start. I found myself, you know, just really looking at, at um, at, at my life, uh, through basketball, the story of basketball, all, you know, everybody helped that helped me, everybody that, uh, um, you know, kept the gym, open for me. I just started looking back uh, a lot more appreciative because I was a little upset at first. But then once I got to that point, um, things just started making sense. And, um, you know, eventually we said, hey, man, what if then the idea came after two years? Like, well, what if we you know, put something together? Right. And maybe write a book. Then that's when the hard part started because it could be just <laughs> free writing with anything. <laughs> yeah, we know writing is the hard part. So, uh, well, I know, I know you kind of kept a journal from what I've read. And I was curious, what is the primary message that you want the book to deliver? I want the primary message is, is you know, one, of course, to help people. I say 
Um, this is kind of like my memento uh, to the game uh, of life and basketball. Um, I want people, the purpose of this book is uh, for people to take something for themselves from these words um, and, you know, use the tools to be successful. Um, I, uh, I pretty much reverse engineered my life and the things that happen and help me get over obstacles and those that I admire help them, the things that help them go get over obstacles and the things that I took from them. And, and, you know, I just wanted to put, put that book together that I hadn't read yet, you know, put that book mm -hmm. together that I feel is, uh, is, is out there, but not out there right. in a way that, um, anybody can understand whether you're a young athlete, an old athlete, uh, a lawyer, a doctor, an accountant, an aspiring chef, a student. I wanted everyone um, to be able to read these words and take something for themselves. Well, point of emphasis of if you're listening to this podcast and you got young athletes, they have to read this. And so do you as parents. <laughs> I mean, you broke down the mental approach going all the way back to, to Dallas Lincoln. You mentioned coach Thomas Hill and, uh, I got to I got to share this with you, Doug. Uh, so it's like 2000, around 2000, 2001. And my cousin, Gary Choice, we call him Pooh Choice. He gives me a call and he's at and he's a student at John Tyler High School at the time. And he goes, well, we just played one of these Metroplex tournament and Dallas Lincoln has this big six, eight guy bringing the ball down. And then he shot a three <laughs> on us and then he took it down low and gave us the work. He goes, his name is Chris Bosch. And I know, you know, I covered the back then, covered the state tournament every year in Austin. And he goes, he's coming. He's coming. So be ready. And he was Chris right. Ba and Chris Bosch and Kendrick Perkins went head up. I mean, you couldn't, you, I, I, that was like an NBA atmosphere that weekend. Yeah. And the one thing, Chris, and you had left town by the time you guys beat them. Uh, the next night was the night San Antonio J beat AC Law. And Dallas Kimball at the buzzer mm. from half court, oh. and the gym we were, was we nearly empty. But do you yeah, remember we there. there was nobody oh, there yeah. hardly? Because oh, yeah, you, I was there. You guys <laughs> sold you guys sold out the gym the day the earlier session, and then everybody left. So yeah. Um, but I wanted to share that. But this book is about the mental approach. <laughs> you mentioned Greg Maddox, Aaron Rodgers, Richard Sherman, really smart guys. Who, who know that it's more more about what's upstairs than the legs. Why was that important for you to put that point across in this piece? I mean, you know, I think, um, you know, there's both a misconception and, uh, you know, on on athletes, uh, old and young, and, and, and spectators as well. Um, you know, I think I said in the book, too, you can't just be a quote-unquote dumb jock, right, and play this sport. Um, any sport, really. It takes intelligence. Right. Um, it takes studying. I wanted to get it across that. Um, it, let's say you are a good young athlete. You're a great quarterback. It's going to take, or you want to be a great quarterback, it's going to take a lot to be able to interpret a playbook, to, to read and react to quick situations. I wanted to really, really um, dive into that because I felt that that helped me the most when uh, we were in, in the quest for an NBA championship, or if I'm trying to start, I had to take it to another level um, of understanding because, you know, the more levels I went to, the more I noticed like, Oh, wow, this is, this is a little, little different. You know, this, this, 
the coach just called eight plays in a row. And, <laughs> and I don't know <laughs> what's do going on. I mean, yeah. You know, even in, even in workout, all right, I want you to dribble down court, uh, go to that cone between the legs, crossover, the next one behind the back <laughs> between the legs, the next one in and out crossover. And it's like, you have to retain this information and you have to be able to process things. So, and, and you know, that takes practice. So I wanted to, I wanted to shine light on how important it is uh, for people to understand that what's going on, but more importantly, for those wanting to be great at their craft, using sports as an analogy, you've got to study. You've got to get your head into the books. you got to get your head into the game plan. You have to know your opponent. These are things that you um, always uh, have to take into account. And I wanted to explain that fully. Well, and it helps if you got a great basketball IQ like Chris Bosch, obviously. <laughs> And you write and talk have talked about how your career came to an abrupt end because of uh, your health issues. I'm curious what percentage of pro athletes you think are just not ready for what's next in your life, which can be applied to by your, your message in the book. Um, a hundred percent are not ready. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. You know, and that's no, and that's no knock on, anything, right. You can, you can want, you can want to do something, right. But you can have hobbies, but until you get in that situation to where you're not, I mean, even for me, when I wasn't playing the game anymore, I noticed how much time that I put into it, how many Mm -hmm. hours just out the day that, um, that it took to to be as, as great as I could be. And, you know, I mean, going into a different situation, I had five kids, you, you know, um, coming home and, and, you know, learning the world. I had to, I tell athletes who are getting into that situation, like, yo, don't try to rush into anything. You have to pretty much go on a sabbatical and learn about yourself. You don't know anything hmm. about yourself as a human being that much, you wow. know, yourself as a, as an athlete, but it's going to take some time. You don't even know what you like yet. And everything that I thought I wanted to do, wow. <laughs> it, <laughs> I didn't do any of those things. And, you know, there is pressure on uh, on athletes like okay what are you doing after retirement we'll work sure. on that thing sure you can work on them and you can have hobbies but it's pretty much like getting punched in the face really hard and getting wow. knocked out and then you have to you have to get back up and, and and you have to realize that you know you're going to be in a totally different situation than you think you're going to be so i actually i teach I, you know i i tell uh men and women to be patient yeah. Be patient with yourselves, patient with the situation and, you know, don't rush in, in anything. Don't think you have to do something right away, you know, because there is a stigma like, all right, Hey, Chris, what you doing? Get it together, baby. What you gonna post? <laughs> Commentary? I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just trying to help my wife pack lunch for the kids for tomorrow as you know, so they Good man. are not hungry. You know what I mean? And, right. Yes. And those are the things that you have to kind of get used to, you know, real life comes and it changes. Such, such a great career. I mean, just 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 storybook. I mean, uh, you, you were the man in Toronto uh, after Vince Carter left and uh, that franchise was on your shoulders. And then you, you come to Miami, um, the arguably one of the greatest assists in NBA finals history. You get the <laughs> offensive rebound, kick it to Ray Allen in 2012 with five seconds ago. He hits the three. You come back and beat the Spurs. Uh, but Killer what's play. what's what's lost on that is 
on the other end, you blocked Danny Green's shot to seal the win. Uh, people don't talk yeah. about that. So <laughs> it's kind of a microcosm of your time with the Heat. Uh, number one option in Toronto. Then you hook up with LeBron and D-Wade. Uh, you had to readjust your thinking from being being the number one option to sharing the court with two other alpha dogs. Uh, yeah. how, how did that change your mindset? And what adjustments did you have to make mentally? I had to, I had to become a better basketball player. Um, you know, I learned about selflessness. I learned how important it is uh, for teams to have roles, um, for um, a great player to embrace that role. And I had to learn, I talk about it in my book too, I, I had to learn how to get my ego out of there. You know, the ego gets hurt. It's like, wait a minute, I'm not averaging 20 points a game. Oh, no, I'm not successful. <laughs> you know, then and then your thought is like, well, where did that come from? I'm supposed to be a team guy. You know, I just had to, I had to, I had to learn. I had to put myself into the team. I had to, um, you know, learn how to communicate better, learn how to <clears throat> do all of these things required to be on a championship team. Because usually you just, right, you just think of me, me, me. And, and you just want to uh, um, be that person hitting the game-winning shot, right? Nobody thinks about the block or the exactly. assist or the rebound. I did all of those things, <laughs> and and I didn't score. You know, I, I was known as a scorer, and that's what I'm most proud of in my career, the right. fact that I was able to not let that affect me because how many athletes would that affect in the moment of truth when they say, no, I'm going to have a bad attitude, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna dive in the stands and and save the game with a loose ball. I want to make a shot. I want to be the one making the shot to do that. You know, it, it, I realize how much it takes for a team uh, to be successful, and, and you know, I'm so thankful for those years and those lessons. You know, a lot of people talk about the big three, and you guys kind of revolutionized the game <clears throat> of the NBA. And and some people wonder, well, is that bad for the game when you know yeah. all these superstars come together? It's like Kevin Durant going to Golden State and piggybacking off Steph yeah. Curry, Clay Thompson. It, it has changed the game, has it not? Yeah, no, it's changed the game. Uh, yeah, we definitely uh, uh, started some some new ideas and new stuff, but. You know, there was um, the interesting thing with us. It was so much pressure to win a championship. You know, we yeah, right. we we uh, watch Kobe and Mike, man, and then and then D Wade wins one three years into it. That's like, oh man, you wow! Know, there was a easy. tremendous amount. Yeah, it's a tremendous <laughs> amount of pressure. And then, I mean, you know, right. people. You know, I always tell people too, even back in the day. I mean, they're you know, super team. That's um, that's kind of the buzzword, but. A super team always wins the NBA championship, you know, pretty much every year. You know, Hakeem Olajuwon, Robert Ory, Sam Cassell, you Drexler. know, they were all the clutch city, man. You know, that, that, that Clyde Drexler, they were all on one team. Right. People just forget about that stuff. Michael Jordan had Ryan Harper, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman on his team. That's the, They're pretty good last time yeah. I checked, you know. Steve Even back Kirk. in the day, you know, yeah, yeah you know, Steve <laughs> Even back in the day, you know, Mo Malone, Mo Cheeks, yeah. Dr. J was on the same team. Nobody could beat these guys. They were just unst- – I mean, you know, the Lakers, we could just go on and on, you know. Um, it, it's just – so, you know, part of the game, um, we, we were more so, um, you know, trying to uh, control the narrative of our future. And, you know, we said, hey, um, I, I want to win a championship. I need ultimate flexibility. And, I mean, now, um, you know, the current players have taken that idea and – 
done their own things with it. And I mean, it, it's sports, you know, if, um, if guys want to um, conspire to join together, that's great. Um, because, you know, when the shoe is on the other foot and, and the team is just trading away their players, you know, there's nothing, exactly. uh, you know, there's nothing to be spoken about, but you know, it's a new age and, and I think everybody's getting used to it. So we'll see how, how, how things play out. I'm really loving these playoffs, and uh, but I, I have to ask you. Uh, I've been watching these young guys, Luca, Trey Young, those guys. Um, a couple years ago, Kobe passed suddenly, yeah. And you, KD, LeBron, Chris Paul, Tracy McGrady, D Wade, Melo, Vince, y'all were his contemporaries. You were you were guys that he mm-hmm. went to war against, and um, I know you don't remember this, but you were in the All Star game in Dallas, and. Um, Kobe was in the locker room talking about the lockout and all of this. And Kevin Garnett was going to beat you in cards. The only reason I know this is I was there. Uh, y'all <laughs> thought I was like a, like an agent or something, but I was standing over. I shouldn't have been in there, but I was in that <laughs> locker room. And uh, Kobe was like, I'm not moving my kids to Europe. But so I, when we set this interview up, I know. And we set this interview up. I was like, I got to ask him about Kobe. Um, yeah. So when he dies, of course, the world is rocked. And and then you start to see the reactions of Luca, Trey Young, Devin Booker, uh, Donovan Mitchell. These guys are all devastated. They're crying on, on the bench. Yeah. And it occurred to me that Kobe was their Michael Jordan. And oh, yeah. I didn't think about it. And, you know, um, uh, they were in elementary school when he was doing work. Uh, that loss, does the, does the shock ever wear off? No, no, it, it never does. Um, especially in the fashion that it did, and especially he had his daughter with him, and especially due to the fact that there were a whole uh, team, team uh, you know, with other family members and fathers and, you know, sisters and wives on there as well. It was just, just tragedy. And, and, you know, that's always devastating to hear news like that. But, you know, more importantly, uh, for me, I know I wanted to keep things into perspective and just know that, I mean, even coming off of, you know, losing my career, um, you know, it just showed that things can happen. I mean, Kobe, he didn't do anything wrong. He was coming from mass in the morning and taking a helicopter ride to go be the coach for his, for his girls team. And man, tough, you know, it, it just, it just made me realize how important every day is. Um, yeah, it, how, it, it, how important you've got to, you know, make the best out of what you're doing. Kobe, he, he lived enough for 10, 10 lives and he put everything into his girls, into his work. I mean, he made no excuses. So I kind of can't keep that in the perspective. I think about it, you know, every day. And anytime I get tired, anytime my kids, you know, you know, want to do something, I make sure I make sure I do it because, you know, you never know what the future brings. So, so last question, the future of the next act of Chris Bosch, more books, you gonna run for politics, you're going to go <laughs> TV like D Wade's going to do. <laughs> yeah. Get a game show or something, man. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, this, um, this book was uh, a great accomplishment. Um, I'm, I'm, we're still trying to um, get our, get, our feet under us uh, with our children and figuring things out. Um, but, you know, one of the things I definitely want to do, I definitely want to keep writing. Um, nice. I want to keep connecting with the young athletes out there, bringing attention, um, you know, to STEM education 
in underprivileged communities and stuff like that. You know, um, I I kind of, every time I think I know what's going on, I, you know, something changes and I'm like, Oh man, I don't know what's (laughs) going on. So I'm kind of, I'm finally in a place to where I'm like, okay, let me just see, let me just enjoy (laughs) the moment. Let me ride this wave. This book has been, um, the reception has been wonderful. And so I'm going to see how that goes. And, and, you know, after the summer, reevaluate everything. That's awesome. wonderful. Awesome. Chris, uh, I, I, um, we got a couple minutes left. Um, we do this thing with first time guests called the hot corner where we throw you like three or four crate just off the off the beaten path questions. And you give like a quick answer, um, you know, so because a lot of people know Chris Bosch, the, the persona, but we want to know of Chris Bosch, like behind the scenes. So if, yeah. you, if you will answer just a couple, here's my first one. Um, you're a voracious reader and you're a writer. You're an author mm-hmm. now. Who is your favorite author and what's your favorite book? Ooh, man. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to say my favorite author. I mean, I have to pay homage to the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Wow. Uh, he gave me, we, we got to have lunch, um, sit down for lunch a couple years ago. And I didn't know, I knew he was an author, but I didn't know he wrote, wrote that many books. This dude gave me like eight books. Wow. He, he's, yeah. he's written material on like a black, you know, infantry tank infantry in, in world war two that hmm. won this battle that was crucial to the, to the war, you know? And I'm Crazy. like, Oh boy, I got, I've got mine. I've got some reading to do, man. I've got to, <laughs> hmm. I've got to come out, you know, um, um, reading this year, but I, I've made it a point to really take in uh, what he's written because he was around in the sixties and seventies in the civil rights era. And he was, you know, an English and history major yes. out of UCLA. You know, a lot of people don't know that. Mm-hmm. So he's very distinguished and yeah. very, very intelligent. And I would say probably my favorite book, one of my favorite books, um, is written by Ryan Holiday, a uh, fellow Austin guy. Um, it's called The Obstacle is the Way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of my favorites because you can remember it. It's nothing too crazy. It's not too thick. And, and you can really apply it um, and, and get some inspiration for your life. Hmm. Real quick, Chris, if you weren't a basketball player, what job would Chris Bosch have had? Man, I would like to have thought I would be like a, a graphic designer. Um, that's what, was what your I major, wanted to wasn't it? Georgia Tech. I tried. They said, "Nah, you, uh, <laughs> nah, get in this management, and uh, you know, sixteen hours a week, and yeah, we'll start from there." <laughs> cool. That's so cool. Well, we know that you're the Renaissance man, and you study the arts. You love music. You started a hip hop label. Shout out to Daddy Jack Records. I appreciate you hang that. out with Gary Clark Jr. That's a bad boy. That's a bad boy. Um, <laughs> If there was one one day of concerts in heaven and you and you were in heaven, we're not trying to kill you, but you were in heaven <laughs> featuring and the greatest artists up there. You know how many are up there now? Mm. What three artists would you pay to see? Wow, that's a that's a really good question, man. Well, that's what I do. That's a, that's a good one. I would definitely. Um, ooh first one that comes to mind is Mac Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he passed away and we, we had just bought our tickets to his show. Oh, and yeah. he unfortunately passed away, you know, of course, too young. 
Um, man, Prince. There you go. Your family now. Now you're for <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's that's, that's my an easy one. That's my guy. That's an easy one. And you know what? I'd um, man, you know who else I go to just so I could sing the songs mm-hmm. my mom and dad used to sing? Luther Vandross, man. Oh wow! Nice, nice. You know, nice. and that's I could and I could name a lot yeah. of so many other names are are floating in there. But yeah, that I mean, his voice. I mean, I I only heard about how uh, great he was live. You know, so I would definitely go with those. When you get a chance, uh, go to YouTube and do uh, Luther Vandross, A House Is Not A Home, NAACP Live. He sang it live okay. and he killed it. He killed it. I'm going to check, check it out right after this, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last question. We'll let you go. We, we're sorry we're extending your time, but uh, tell us something about Chris Bosch the world does not know. Are you a gourmet cook? Are you scared of spiders? Uh, just uh, <laughs> a skill or a phobia? What do you, what do you got for I'm, us? I'm a decent cook. I'm a decent cook. And uh, my first job was at Blockbuster Video. A lot of people don't know that. Um, <laughs> were you, were yeah. you good at it? I, I no think way. so. I mean, <laughs> I think I was. I only got written up like four or five times. <laughs> I still got my blue card. I still have mine. Hey, hey, man, it might still be good somewhere. <laughs> no, no, I still owe him like 30 bucks in late charges, so you're not going to see then me. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Chris, man, we appreciate it so much. Uh, man, what a pleasure yeah. talking to you. Uh, go get the book, Letters to a Young Athlete, with the foreword by coaching legend Pat Riley. Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble. If you're like me, like the audio books, it's available there too. Chris Bosch, much success to you. Thanks for joining us, man. And uh, I hope we hope to do it again sometime. When you write the next one, give us a shout. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Congratulations on a great career, Chris. You have I appreciate a wonderful, that. Wonderful day. Appreciate it. I appreciate that. You too. Thank you. Bye bye. On second thought. Doug, how great was Chris Bosch? That was a Hall of Fame interview from a Hall of Fame player and person. You know, he's come a long way from Blockbuster. (laughs) I saw a lot of promise in him from Blockbuster Day. Oh, man, if he keeps it up, he just might end up being somebody. You never know what could happen if you keep trying. Oh, I know. What a sharp guy, dude. uh, He was amazing. He was amazing, and uh, just so cool for him to stop by. All right, let's take it Let's take it to another level. Big okay. 12, our Big 12 preseason football countdown it's on. is back. Uh, we had Kansas was number 10 post Matt Hatter. The Texas Tech Red Raiders came in at number nine. We got some love from Carlos Silva of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. And without further ado, Duck, let's go to number eight. Duck, we are joined by Baylor football coach Dave Aranda. The Bears went two and seven in his first season, but man, there's a caveat. They missed all of spring football and then three full weeks due to COVID. So we're just going to call that a wash and we're going to wipe that slate clean. How are you, coach? Doing great. I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. And it's great having you, Dave. Uh, I guess in a lot of ways that was a season to forget, but I, I'm sure you're going to always remember it and, and learn lessons from that. Uh, did you do a deep dive into the season 
and come up with any explanation for su- such a crazy year? No, I did. <laughs> I think I think you know it's it's you can you always learn you learn either way, good or bad. Right. I think um, there's probably more of a push to learn when things are bad. Right. You know, when things are good, you know, there's a lot to learn from too, in terms of why why it worked and um, why you have the success that you're having. So, I think either way, you always you want to look at. Um, always kind of look at what you've what you've done. Go back and and trying to get the mindset of where you were and what you were thinking. And I think all the the notes and kind of the uh, the day to day writing that kind of transpires helps with that. And so there was all of that. You know, there was all of it. I think you know, in in just pulling back and looking at it from uh, the perspective of now, it would be. You know, I think um, my whole life's been just been about other people and have have really kind of um, purposefully not thought about myself. And I think that hurt me in this role. And I think, you know, there'd be times, guys, where I would be on staffs and uh, there would be that one, that one guy um, and always a good person, always a good good heart, all that, but just really wanted to be a head coach and everything was through that lens. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times the team would be going this direction. This particular guy would want to go this other direction. And it's because I want to be a head coach. I want to do this. I want that. Mm-hmm. And so th- that was always kind of just in my mind and, and it, it would, I never wanted to ever be that guy. And so it would always be purposeful to, um, that step in um, in that direction, and I think um, I was probably too uh, I was probably too uh, aware of that. And I think you know, as I look at it, you know, leadership is knowing completely who you are, and mm-hmm. spend a lot of time on 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 what you believe and what you like and what you don't like and explanations and understanding and all of it. And then the second step would be then making it about everybody else, spending, putting into, putting into other people, serving them, building them up. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just felt like I was probably doing the point number two and not spending enough time on point number one. So I think that was, that was one lesson, you know, mm-hmm. from it. I think the other was just the strong culture that was here previous and just the, you know, I think there's so many different ways to do things. And I think there was one way and now coming in here is a different way. And I think to be able to, uh, to really have those, um, those conversations where you can really get to the heart of things was difficult with uh, the circumstance. I think I, I could have been more intent. You know, I think anytime when you meet people, there, um, you know, if you, if you and I were to meet, and I think most people do this, and I think this was kind of the, the fight, and, it, and it's, it's a harder fight when it's, you know, um, on Zoom or calling on mm-hmm. phones and that. Sure. But I think when you, when you meet people for the first time, there is, you're meeting them, but really, in a way, they're sending like a representative to meet you. It's them. 
but it's mm-hmm. it's it's a representative of their best interest, and so that representative generally is going to be very welcoming, smiling, happy, accommodating, right. agreeing, you know, and Take that whole time. That, correct, that whole time that representative is kind of trying to get a read of like, is yeah. this person worth really getting to know me? You know, right. is is this person worth getting to know Dave? And so I think, you know, there is as much as we've tried, as 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 much as we did try, we were in the representative phase quite a bit uh, all during the COVID time, and you just couldn't get past that to really meet the person, you know. Hmm. And so um, I think all of those. So you're things, talking about building relationships, right? They correct. Just correct. Getting that that right. chemistry, that bond, that cohesion, correct. right? Yeah, that's right. And so, and so, so, how close are you to correcting, you know, that deficiency? For you no, there's been a lot of work with that. There was, yeah. I mean, we've been working on that the whole time, and so I feel really strong about it now. And I, and I think, um, you know, I remember in December, um, thinking that um, we've worked really hard to um, to meet people where they're at to treat to treat people good and to um to be real honest in our dealings and to just be real transparent and just to be real and i think mm-hmm. i just remember thinking man there's like a fog there's like yeah. people are people are just like um you know i think we was you're able to see the the worst in a lot of a lot of folks um, you're able to see the good in a few, but you're able to see the worst in a lot more. Mm-hmm. And so I just remember thinking, you know, we just continue to stay positive and stay um, and um, continue to do, keep doing good. Eventually, this fog's going to lift mm-hmm. and people will see see it for what it is. And so I feel like when we came back in January that you were able to have that. It was almost, it was almost like the the clouds broke, you know. And wow. so it's been great. Yeah, it's. I mean, you feel good about where the team is. You feel good about where the coaches are and their their cohesion. And uh, excited, excited for summer. Excited for the season start. You know, uh, you never stop learning, Coach. Uh, and I know you've been in the game for a while. Been been in some great programs. Um, uh, it's interesting that you said that. Uh, it sounds like the like the Christmas holiday mentality, where everybody's actually tries to be the people that they had always hoped they'd be. How much more difficult was that? Even though your kids have grown up as online people, how much more difficult was that Zoom mentality, having to to always talk to them on the computer and and not be able to put your hands on them and love on them and make eye contact. Yeah, I think uh, it's a good question. I think uh, a lot of the, um, a lo- you know, um, I think a lot of the interaction that builds, that builds a relationship and builds trust are the times that are in between. And so it's prior to a meeting starting, there's a couple guys in your room and you're visiting with them um, prior to heading to a, a lifting session. 
there's a couple guys getting um, tying their shoe in the locker room, and you can uh, visit and meet with them, ask them about their family. You know, uh, on their way to the cafeteria, you're walking with them, and you sit down in the cafeteria and ask how you know their first week has been. And so it's those in-between times mm-hmm. that you miss. And I think, but, you know, on the other side of it, though, prior to the pandemic, there was a lot of like, and I would say this, just full transparency, just with me, there was a lot of like West Wing walks where, you know, you're trying to get from point A to point B and we're probably going too fast. Mm-hmm. I, I look back at it now. Right. Mm-hmm. And, right. and I've got this to do. I've got that to do. I've got this other thing to do. And so just coming from the the um, quarantine and everything, just things slowing down and seeing the, the value in relationships and really kind of refocusing on that. I think as a whole, I've kind of I've felt that, you know, but I think like the, the, the best connection is really when you're coaching them, because then the, as a, as a player, I'm looking at a coach that really sees me really um, wants me to get better. Right. Trust me. You know, and so I think like that connection when you're coaching and and that's, you know, it's the it's the reading of body language. It's the eye to eye contact. It's the um, um, assurance. Right. It's the Mm -hmm. as a coach reading kind of where the understanding is and giving them a question that they can answer so that their confidence is built up. Uh, Whereas I. I've been in a room enough with these guys to know who can handle a tougher question. So I'm going to give you a question that's really going to challenge you as opposed to over here, we're really looking for some self-confidence. So I'm going to give you a question that can help build it. I think all of those things are harder when you uh, are away, you know? And so I think, you know, everyone went through that though. And, um, you know, I, I just think the, um, the culture here at Baylor has been one where, um, it can be very strong. And I think, you know, for us to, to build it to where it needs to be, um, you know, every day counts and every moment matters. And I think our ability as coaches to really see, hear, and make our players feel belonged is, uh, that's an everyday thing. I was curious, Dave, how many players that you lost to COVID Either that they got coronavirus or contact tracing. I was curious uh, how many players you went without at some point during the year last season. Oh, yeah, that's quite a that's quite a number. I think you know, there's it 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 got to the point. You know, we're reviewing or as of right now, we're um, we're taking two a week and. Um, in the month of May, we prepped for kind of our opponent studies. And so we would uh, do the breakdown work and, and uh, review last year's game and, you know, um, Mm -hmm. look at the schedule after last year's game and who else they played and break those games down and build reports and all of that. Mm -hmm. What we're doing this month, among other things is having those um, kind of presentations and so, like yesterday was TCU, for example, and mm-hmm. um, and so we've got the rest of the schedule kind of going on. We'll present, hey, this is what mm-hmm. we think in short yardage. This is what we think in third down, so on, so forth. And you know, I think we were talking about uh, West Virginia, um, and so earlier, and so in that game, I think we had 
you know, two D line starters, right, right prior to getting on the on the plane, get pulled from the plane. And it was one of those things where it just became such an occurrence all the time. Right. That it was just you kind of forget that all that stuff happened. And yeah. it's it just became just normal. And that, that you did, you uh, were playing with with a limited uh a limited roster. And so we're looking back, we're looking forward to trying to get to normal and and yeah. to get it to where uh you know we can have a, a full roster playing games. When was the last time you were part of a losing season, I wonder, in your coaching career? Yeah, this is uh the last time I think was probably at Hawaii um in two thousand and twelve. And so that wow. was that was not I've never I don't think I've, I've ever lost seven games though. Yeah. I can't, I can't think of it before. So, you know, we talked about just the with with our team, we talked about the importance of really knowing who you are. I mean, we look at football as a as a way to build character and as a uh you know, to mastery of self through craft, through football, and just all the ups and downs and all of the the um, things where it could get adversarial, where it's like let's look inward and let's let's get ourselves better. And I think it's just what a um, it's a challenge to be, you know, the sporting uh, you know sports are just so competitive, football particularly, and mm-hmm. um, and so social media and talk radio and ESPN and everything else and just all that, all of that. And so to be, to be, to be in it, but not be of it is the challenge, you know, and use that to like, I'm going to better myself through going through all of this. And so, you know, we were talking about it as a, as a team where it's like 2000, you know, a year, a year previous, right. Guys that were on this team won more than they ever won. Yeah. The year previous, I was on a team that didn't lose a game. And then, so, you know, and people saying this about you and people saying that about you, mm-hmm. you have to be real strong in knowing who you are and have filters to where, you know, um, you know, you, you know, football is what you do. It's not who you are. Mm-hmm. And so then, then the same would be true when you win two games and, and right. this or it's that, right. You have a strong right. sense of knowing who you are, right. And those values that you hold, can um, filter out all the negative things that are coming in. And so that, uh, you know, you remain strong with your identity. And so I think, you know, our guys, I think it's a great lesson for them to go through. It it will not be the only time that uh, Mm -hmm. they face some adversity. Well, you guys ranked a hundred nationally in scoring. You bring in Jeff Grimes from BYU to run the offense. He was a Brawls award finalist who did great things with quarterback Zach Wilson. So uh, what kind of changes are we, can we expect to see? And uh, how's that quarterback competition looking with uh, Zeno and Bohannon? Uh, good. Yeah, I appreciate the question. So I, I look at Jeff as bringing a really strong identity. And I think, you know, one of the, the main – there's two two big reasons for, for – um, for bringing Jeff along is Doug, one, what a super podcast a person, we had. Big know, props to Chris Bosch. Thanks really to Baylor coach 
Dave Aranda for joining us. Now, um, I know there are some people out there going, now, wait a minute. Texas baseball is in a super regional. These guys guys haven't even brought it up. Tell them what we got up for, Buck. We've got a doubleheader podcast this Um, week. And And after Chris Bosch and Dave Aranda, we get David Pierce, Big 12 uh, Baseball Coach of the Year as the Super Regional Approaches. And that will be in tomorrow's bonus podcast. I'm glad we get paid double for doing two podcasts. Getting paid double, two for one, double your pleasure. Get some double mint gum. David Pierce, unplugged on Friday on hookup.com. And we're also done. A little so bit of a bonus. For those people who don't know um, about South Florida baseball, you know, we're bringing in beat writer Joey Knight of the Tampa Bay Times to give you a look at who and Texas so is facing. So we're all over baseball. We're all over football. We're all over the place. And we're going to do it up. We will be back next week. That'll do it for episode um, 224. We got 225 coming up Friday, and we'll be back next week for the Doug Kirk Bowls. I'm Cedric uh, Golden. We'll see you next time. Someone that is going to be developed up front, a D lineman or an outside rusher, is there's not a bunch of ready made guys that get into the league as freshmen. There's a lot of Here's a, a raw force for a uh, sport athlete that um, has all this potential to grow and, and get in to this type of frame and be this type of guy. And I think um, that has been the case, I think, in the Big 12 for quite a while. And so I think as a result of that, there is a fair amount of movement. There's a fair amount of twists, a fair amount of stunts up front, a lot of uh, linebacker blitzes a lot of um, there's there's more um, there is uh, more traffic on the line of scrimmage in our league than I, I want to say most leagues you know the the other two I can speak of the Big Ten and the SEC I would say for sure you know mm. and I think the difference in some of those leagues is that you recruit a D lineman that's that's probably um, um, heavier, right, is more ready-made to just line up and whoop somebody. Mm-hmm. We're here. We're going to grow grow somebody to get to that to that space. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of times there, there's like, hey, he's ready. Don't let him think too much. Let him go. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's not necessarily the sense here. And so I think um, there's a lot of traffic in my scrimmage. And I think when there's a lot of traffic, the hardest things to do are to run inside zone where it's a more vertical push and not a horizontal push um and so you're trying to double somebody and that means you're singling another guy and you hope as you're doubling someone you want to run off the ball and get into them and drive them to the level of the linebacker come off and cover up the linebacker well when there's twists there's stunts there's blitzes it's hard for you to kind of fire out at a guy not knowing who's coming, who's not coming, who's twisting, who's not. And so it's difficult to do. And I would say the same with drop back protection. 
if you uh, take a five-step drop and the O-line's got to protect and who's rushing, who's dropping, right? We're going to ID this mic and now the the, uh, slides turn this way and, you know, the running back's trying to get out, but who's got the corner when he comes and all this other stuff. I think very difficult to do when there's a lot of traffic going on, you know? And so I think running a wide zone where we're running off the ball and these twists, these stunts, this traffic, kind of gets like a wave crashing down on sand on the sandy beach. It's similar to that where it's like, it just gets engulfed by this zone. And I think, you know, you look at team like Iowa state is real successful in doing that. Oklahoma runs a real successful wide zone. Um, you know, Buffalo now Kansas is going to be that way. Um, mm-hmm. We see a lot of that out of Alabama and now Texas and now us. You know, Big Twelve mm-hmm. is going to be the the conference of wide zone. And I think it's a mm. it's a um, it's a good move considering the traffic on defense. You know, mm-hmm. and so and then I think the the play action pass and the the multiple seven man protections and um, you know making it look the same like a run, getting people running sideways and then coming out of it and having uh, you know a shot throws off of looks where you can protect and you get people thinking it's something and something else that is, that is more on the offensive side of the ledger in terms of um, tactics than trying to drop back pass uh, a a five-step, a five-step drop. And so I think um, Jeff brings those things and um, I'm excited to see it. You know, spring was good. There's a lot of positive. And so I think quarterback wise, um, you know, we're going to keep the competition going. I think there was good, um, you know, from Jacob and um, his maturation as a deep ball passer improved as a drop back guy, very efficient. And then uh, Gary, um, really kind of the opposite, right? As a deep ball guy, very, very evolved as a drop back guy, it got better and better and better. And, you know, Blake Shapen is mature and just kind of understanding just how we call things and how coverages work and you know nothing's ever black and white it's the understanding of the details that that make a difference you know the expertise really comes in knowing what to ignore and knowing um you know what what's the signal and what's the noise you know the difference between the two and i think he's he's closing in on that and so you feel good about um kind of where that is i feel like there's a good energy and a good understanding you know, moving forward. And you don't probably won't have a decision on that till what, mid August, a couple of weeks before the first game or what? I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. We'll have um, two scrimmages in camp. And so the expectation um, or the hope would be is that after that second scrimmage, um, we'll know who we're going into that first game with. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know your offensive line was uh, kind of a mess last year. And uh, uh, what does that look like? I think you have just the one full-time starter coming back and got a couple of transfers from Vanderbilt and Buffalo. So how do you think the offensive line's uh, shaping up, Dave? Good. I'm, I was impressed with their um, their their work ethic during uh, winter. thought we got a lot stronger. You know, we've got we've had guys put on twenty, twenty some pounds. Um, I think they're, you know, just weight, strength mm-hmm. um, improved, and so bench press, squat.
watts and cleans numbers all improved i think um so there's a, a confidence that came just from uh, you know added size and strength and then i think the addition of eric mateus has been great so eric came uh from uh byu with jeff um mm-hmm. i coached with uh i coached with eric before for a year and um you know, Eric's got a, a talent of really being able to connect with folks and um, meet them at their level and really build and grow people. You know, it's it's funny. Like, there, you know, there's so, you know, with coaches, there's so many variations. And so, like, you can you can grow people with, you know, miracle grow or you can cut them uh-huh. down with a weed eater, you know? <laughs> and so, like, and so... Uh, Eric is very much a miracle grow person, mm. and I think our guys benefit from that, and the, our confidence continues to grow. And so I just uh, saw a lot of good in spring. Excited for for mm-hmm. fall. Yeah, I want to hit this defense. Um, I know the Texas coaches couldn't stop raving about Terrell Bernard, who had that shoulder injury midway through the season. The linebacker group was a strength just a couple of years ago. Um, who are some of the guys who will be expected to step up alongside Terrell and uh, how's he looked in the spring? Good. Yeah. I, you know, uh, Terrell brings a really, really strong intelligence, um, a strong, um, yeah, Terrell is one of the more, um, he has a real strong value of empathy. He can feel what other people are feeling and it matters to them. And, um, you know, he cares. And I think it's a big difference when you're around folks that have that. And then when you're around folks that don't, um, and so I'm, we're blessed to have him. you know, as a, as a leader, you don't come across guys like him too much where it's a guy that, that, um, that feels things and cares about those feelings. And so, impressed you know um he's up here studying all the time he's strong Mm -hmm. weight room weight room has been really good to him very instinctual and very um and um is is someone that um has a desire to keep getting better and so his drive is um is very strong but i look at that linebacker group as you know there's dylan doyle right next to him Dylan had a good season last year mm-hmm. and really, really um, improved from that in spring. I thought he had one of the best springs of of any of our guys that were going. And so impressed with Dylan, his work ethic, his leadership ability, all very strong. You know, and then you got Jalen Petrie at our star, which is really kind of our strong outside backer slash nickel. And uh, Jalen's a leader for us. Jalen's going to continue to evolve in his role. In his role, you know, I look at uh, Dante Jackson at LSU. I look at Grant Delpit, Jacoby Stevens. These are all guys that have that similar um, similar roles and really excelled in the defense. And I think you know, PD is the next one. You know. And so, and then at the uh, the Jack linebacker, we're, we've got a couple guys that are vying for that spot. And um, I think we're going to really see an emergence there and have that be a strength. And 
I feel good about our linebacker group. I think it, I think uh, it'll be the strength of the defense. Well, you got two guys in Bernard and Petre. Is you know could be Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year. It, it wouldn't shock me if either one of those contended for those honors. And you got a LSU transfer up front, uh, kind of blocks out the sun. I understand. Uh, <laughs> real real little guy. He's only what about six four three fifty. Yeah. Yeah, we're trying to talk about it. Yeah, you know, Apu is first of all just brings a great heart. He, um, you know, there's a there's there's a contagious personality with him, and so the guys immediately took to him, and you figured that they would because it was the same thing Mm -hmm. at at LSU, and so you know, um, he's got a great laugh. Great personality, competitor, um, and then is just a real dominant, dominant player. You know, I, and so I think the more the um, I think the three four is really built with that position in mind. I think that that position, the nose guard position, has to be has to be a force. You know, mm-hmm. I look at um, I look at West Virginia last year and. There was some three three five with their structure, but they would get in, they would get in uh, alignments where there'd be five guys on the line of scrimmage um, in an odd, odd structure, meaning someone mm-hmm. covering up the center and the guards are uncovered, and so um, they had a, a particularly, they had a good nose guard as well, and so the offenses would have to choose on. Hey, there's linebackers firing from the left and from the right, um, and so if we if we slide in one way, a linebacker come the other way, and we're unprotected there. We got we'll have a running back on them. Um, the only way to account for a linebacker from the left and a linebacker on the right with the five O linemen is to go. Our five O line are going to block their five. You know the three down linemen, and then the linebacker on the left, and the linebacker on the right, which means um, that the center is one on one on the nose. And so the teams that did that um, really kind of paid a price mm-hmm. uh, playing West Virginia. And the nose guard had had a fair amount of uh, you know negative plays for the offense, productive plays for them. And and I think that's the game that you can play when you're a three four and uh, or structure anyways and. Mm-hmm. We're we're definitely looking forward to playing that game, and I think Apu gives us a uh, a trump card there. He's a real disruptor, isn't he? He is. Yeah. Well, Coach Man, it, it's always a pleasure to have you on, and we thank you. Um, looking so forward to the season. Looking forward to packed houses at the stadium in Waco. The Bears open the season on the road against Texas Tech on September 4th. Dave Miranda, thanks so much, man, and we look forward to seeing you this fall. I appreciate you. Thank you. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.